0: This week on Hyperspace Broadcast, we give you endless history lessons about the most generic fantasy world you can imagine. Welcome to Lodos Island. And welcome to another episode of Hyperspace
1: Broadcast, a
0: show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting. I'm Michael Doak.
1: And I'm Peter Eby.
0: And this week we are beginning our coverage of Record of Lodos War, Chronicles of the Heroic Night, with episodes 1 through 14. So just to clarify right off the top, Technically speaking, this series is called Record of Lodos War Chronicles of the Heroic Night. We're just going to call it Record of Lodos War because I'm not saying that entire title every single time. Like,
1: yeah. It's a fucking mouthful. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a long title. Uh, we watched an English dub and it was originally premiered on Toonami Reactor. So this is also going to be kind of a dense episode, so apologies for that. This show mm-hmm. is extremely dense and frankly... <laughs> yeah irritatingly so so we tried to condense it as much as possible but if we're dragging a little bit like frankly at least part of it is because the show forced us into it
1: Yeah, yeah. Please please understand, you're getting a sampling of the show. (laughs) You (laughs) you will understand what it feels like.
0: (laughs) And uh, I guess I'm just going to start off this episode with apologies. Uh, Also, there (laughs) may be some background noise on my end. I'm going to try to cut around it, but I don't control my neighbors. And one seems to be hammering something, and the other seems to be playing hockey with their child in the garage, which is actually adorable. But it might cause some background noise, so you should sorry
1: probably yell at them to stop. <laughs>
0: yeah, stop, stop! I know you're under. I'm recording a podcast. I know you can't go anywhere to play street hockey with your <laughs> yeah. kid because you're under lockdown. But like, I'm recording a podcast that five people listen to, so <laughs> so stop playing with your kid for twenty minutes, damn it. All right, so
1: twenty minutes. That's a that's a that's <laughs> yeah, that's a, a generous uh, estimate. Generous, <laughs> yeah, generous estimate for this one. Okay. Oh fuck. So right, let's get yeah, into it. Yeah. So
0: let's start off uh, talking about Record of Lodoss War in the backstory, because it has a pretty interesting backstory. Honestly, uh, it began its life mm-hmm. as published transcripts of sessions of a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that was produced by a Japanese board game company called Group SNE. And it was hmm. serialized in the Japanese computer game magazine, Comptique, uh, from 1986 to 1988. They called them replays. Basically, this is the archaic version of the modern uh, actual play D and D podcast. Like that's really it's, cool. It's a printed version of the adventure zone or critical role or uh, whatever, yeah, right. whatever other podcast you want to talk about. So, the story and characters from these sessions became pretty popular, and Ryo Mizuno, who was the dungeon master running the games, started adapting the story into some of Japan's earliest high fantasy novels in 1986. Uh, Eventually, the replays were published as paperbacks, and they they formed a trilogy. There's basically three-story arcs, and a rule system was actually custom-created for Lodos War. Uh, the three replays were published in 1989 by Katakawa Shoten. And then in 1988, the novels started getting published again by Katakawa Shoten. Uh, there are seven novels as well as two books of short stories
1: damn so that's a lot of content already yes there (laughs) is but before we even get to, but hold
0: on there's more because there's an ova series from 1990 that adapts the first novel as well as broadly adapting basically the rest of the story the story wasn't finished yet Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of an akira situation where it has its own unique ending
1: and i will i will jump in here real quick Mm -hmm. i've seen the ova and i enjoyed it in the past like a little dry but i liked it um <laughs> and I thought that's what we were going to watch today, but it <laughs> nope. wasn't
0: <laughs> nope instead, we watch record of Lodoss War Chronicles of the heroic Night, which was released in nineteen ninety eight and basically adapts the story from the beginning of uh volume three up to the end, so it's a which that's that's
1: great uh, you know tsunami good choice, <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, <laughs> let's right let's adapt the uh the thing that starts midway through the story now,
0: to be fair. I think it's bizarre that the anime series starts partway through the story at all, and specifically where they picked to start is kind of strange for me, because there seems like a much cleaner point to start the adaptation to me, Uh, but... Whatever I'll, I'll we'll talk about that later and you'll probably if, understand if, where the clear point the clean break is frankly
1: I think the clean break is also it's just where the original OVA diverted from the rest where they started right, making right. up their own shit so that makes sense but still like for like introducing this franchise to americans like, yeah yeah that, that
0: was a weird yeah, decision
1: wild choice
0: uh so you know it is a popular franchise there are a bunch of other adaptations that we're not going to go into detail about but eh, it's fun to bring them up as examples there's an mmo called record of lotus War online which released in 2016 there's a metroidvania style game called record of lotus war delete in wonder labyrinth uh which is available on steam if you want to check that out i guess and apparently the original writer uh, is working on a sequel series called record of lotus war the pledged diadem
1: diadem Diadem, sure whatever (laughs) That's another—what a weird name. An, an
0: uncommon <laughs> word that I'm not especially ashamed that I mispronounced. Um, Two of them, yeah. Right. So that's Record of Lotus War, but we should probably talk about tsunami Reactor a little bit. Uh, I think we oh, covered yeah. it very briefly in our Star Blazers episode, but honestly, I think it— deem some more thorough
1: examination, frankly, because do you we're very our Star Blazers episode. Yes, I do. Uh
0: for the record, that was episode <laughs> one hundred and seven, which it's weird to think that we put that out a year ago, but that's just me. Oh my God. So Reactor was an online portal for Toonami content. Uh it featured games, short articles, and character bios provided by An America magazine. Uh, But obviously, the important thing is that it had episodes of anime that you could stream parts of episodes. Like, each episode was broken into four parts, and you streamed each one individually. Uh, Also, it was split-screen, and on one half, they had, like, trivia and character bios and stuff. So just... Imagine if you will for a minute, because the the way this launched, they had forty episodes of Dragon Ball Z during the Frieza Saga. Imagine watching a Frieza Saga <laughs> Dragon Ball Z episode split into four parts. Like
1: how Yeah download what a nightmare. You Download it on you could do you could do it on a cable modem or on fifty six K. Great. So yeah. I'm gonna wait a day like, and a half what? to download. To download, uh, I, I guess seven minutes of a DBZ episode where seven nothing fucking happens. Seven
0: generous. It's a quarter. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be like five minutes,
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna watch it in a tiny format as well. I mean, look, this is long. Bef- this is before Netflix was even well, yeah, fucking sending course. discs in the mail. <laughs> You know, this is this this is is... before any streaming. Right. So the initial
0: Uh, release was in March 2001 Um, that had 40 episodes of Dragon Ball Z and also Star Blazers. And then they shut it down for a brief period and kind of revamped it. And when it came out again, uh, this was in November 2001. It had a bunch more exclusive online content. So, specifically, the show Star Blazers, a Harlock saga, of course, record of Lodoss War, and eventually in 2002, they added the Pat Labor anime series. Uh,. Honestly, it's weird talking about Reactor because it's a thing that I remember seeing ads for, but definitely never even attempted to do. I think one time I tried to play a Flash game on the Toonami website, and it functioned so poorly because we had a garbage computer and garbage internet. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, I never tried again, basically. Uh, But, yeah, just imagine spending hours downloading five minutes of an episode of dragon ball z from the the, the saga with the least narrative momentum
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah that is that is just it's agonizing to yeah, imagine it's, it's it, a but nightmare so excited scenario for yeah or frankly yeah,
0: I, a, a quarter of an episode of this show which is extremely difficult to follow and every episode has a like Brief, short at the end. That's done in chibi style, and like, that's like true. if you downloaded the last episode of, or the last part of an episode of the show, you would have about two minutes of the plot wrapping up, then a short, then the credits, and that would be all you got.
1: <laughs> Which yeah.
0: sounds horrendous,
1: honestly. Almost nothing. Yeah, but yeah, I think I I had the same kind of problem too. Like I saw the ads as a kid, and then was just like no (laughs) like there's no way i don't have good (laughs) enough internet for this there's absolutely no way i don't even not even gonna attempt it
0: you see the thing is i'm pretty sure i did attempt it and it just worked so poorly that i never tried again because again we had a terrible computer and terrible internet and like this is the this is such an early streaming service like it's which i find so bizarre
1: too like I didn't, th- I didn't think anyone was streaming anybody back in those days. Like, it, like I thought it, I figured it'd just be like, Oh, download the document. That's a video. Yeah, Right. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I imagine streaming. that someone had to have preceded them in terms of like the first yeah. streaming service, but this is an early example. And yeah. I don't know, like if you go on the Wayback machine and poke through the old pages, it's pretty funny. Honestly, they're, uh, they're, they've aged well. <laughs> one could say Have they? <laughs> well they've aged humorously uh is maybe okay. a better way to <laughs> yeah, put that okay. so
1: they they've aged well like the space jam website yes exactly
0: uh, it's just okay, peak okay. like 90s web design or i guess early 2000s web design but anyway uh, We need to get into the synopsis. Oh, yeah. So all of Record of Lodos War takes place on a cursed island named Lodos that was split off from the main continent during a battle between the goddesses Marfa and Cardis. Uh, Marfa is the goddess of light, and Cardas is the goddess of destruction. So Cardas was defeated, uh, cursed the land, and then Marfa split it off from the main continent to prevent just everything from being cursed. The island has seen a lot of wars and kingdoms rise and fall. Uh, There is the War of Heroes, which was an important event that took place just before the beginning of this series, uh, where the Free Knight Parn and his allies defeated Emperor Beld, leader of the Kingdom of Marmo. So now Beld's protege, Ashram, is trying to steal the Scepter of Domination, which is a magical artifact and one of the Governor's Treasures, which are magical (laughs) relics guarded by dragons and the last remains of a different old kingdom that has fallen.
1: All right. Everyone keep in track. It's like, yeah, they're going to throw a lot of terms and a lot of names in this. Like, you don't need to know why they're called Governor's Treasures. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll check in at the end with a study guide. Enter our perspective characters, Orson and Shiras. Orson is a berserker who is possessed by the spirit of war and rage, Hyuri, after seeing his sister murdered by goblins, and Shiras is a fighter who is very outspoken, and uh, both of them are mercenaries. They encounter Parn and his friends and end up joining them on their quest to stop Ashram and find the governor's treasures. So... Parn's Party consists of a number of characters. One of the things that this show... One of the annoying things about this show is that, frankly, there are a lot of characters to keep track of. We're yeah. going to try to describe who the protagonist characters are, but I'm going to kind of gloss over the evil characters because that just adds another, like, five that have almost yeah. no characterization whatsoever. So...
1: Let, let <laughs> me let me start, too, with an explanation. So Parn is... Uh... Yeah a very boring like knight like generic like knight young man character who it, from like every JRPG you've ever yeah, played Yeah, pretty much he's, <laughs> he's like he's, the protagonist of every dragon quest totally, like just totally. completely bland and
0: he he kind of sounds a little bit like Tenchi like maybe that's just wishful thinking <laughs> cuz he yeah, looks a little yeah. bit like Tenchi but uh i don't know <laughs> it's the he same does. level of like boring normal person voice yeah yeah so his party is made up of a high elf named Deedleet, who is a sorcerer and apparently has a thing for Parn, a soft-spoken wizard named Slane, who is married to Lelia, who... We'll get into Lelia's deal later, but the important thing is that she's a priest. Uh, Cecil is a wizard who studies under Slane, and then basically they decide to split the party, so... Orson will lead most of the party to Raiden, which is a city under attack by pirates. While Parn joins the king of the kingdom of flame flame spelled F L A I M, uh, a man named Cashew who is sadly not Domon Cashew. Uh,
1: Oh, don't even joke about that. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's
0: not, that's not acceptable. I'm that sorry. I made
1: the show a lot better. I'm
0: sorry, Domon. I, sh- I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have brought you into this. Uh, yeah, so they split the party. One half goes to the city called Ryden, and then Kashu and Parn go to attack Fire Dragon Mountain, where one of the governor's treasures is guarded by the Red Dragon Shooting Star. <laughs> what a name! Yes, uh, they're they're basically annihilated by Shooting Star. Shooting Star just kicks the shit out of them. And meanwhile, Orson and Pals are getting captured by Ashram's forces. And this is my favorite episode. Uh, This would be episode five, Demon Sword, the power to crush souls, because Ashram has a (laughs) demon sword. Uh, Basically, the reason I like this episode is just because... It introduces all of Ashram's goons in the stupidest way ever, which is that they're all having a conversation about how they've heard that this party of heroes has a very pretty member, that being Shiras, and they argue about whether or not she's prettier than their resident barbarian woman, Smeddy. And it's just like... This crazy scene where you have about five characters that you've barely seen before, just all talking about whether or not someone is prettier than someone else. And, like, they don't even really address each other by name. (laughs) Like, it's just utterly bizarre and incomprehensible character introductions. And it's pretty funny, honestly. Also, frankly, Orson and everyone getting their asses handed to them by Ashram is pretty funny. They just get totally stomped and they can't do anything. So uh, Orson is taken to Blue Dragon Island because Ashram wants a witness for him getting the Scepter of Domination. Uh, Blue Dragon Island is guarded by the dragon Abram. Again, let me point out that the other dragon is called Shooting Star. This one is called Abram. (laughs) All of the dragons, except Shooting Star, have extremely generic names, for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, That's how it is.
1: And so they find out that actually Abram's guarding a different treasure, so they kind of guessed wrong in terms of which dragon's guarding which treasure. This one has the Soul crystal ball. But, you know, Ashram's goon, one of his goons, Grotor— yes, his name is (laughs) Grotor— contacts his uh, real master, Wagnard, to inform him that they have a crystal ball— but then it's stolen by this like meadow elf named Mar Mar the Bard Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Orson and his pals were traveling with. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Groter thing it, it matters for the next next big arc's plot. But sort like, of. That's just kind it's of. It sort yeah, of matters. It matter the Soul that crystal, much, crystal
0: Ball but. is important, but this is basically an early introduction of the main villain of the next arc. Uh, and I mean, it's just like a little hint. Yeah. You know, right. Right. Parn and Deedle arrive at Raiden, Uh, they free Orson and everybody, and then they all ride to Red Dragon Mountain to destroy Shooting Star while the dragon just burns Raiden to the ground. It's a really weird (laughs) scene where the heroes, they don't even try to help this city that's being destroyed. They literally just leave. in like, fairness,
1: <laughs> in fairness, Parn wanted to help, and he was upset. But then King Cash is like, "No, we're not doing yeah, it. Yeah, fair There's enough. No point. <laughs> it's city's already fucked.
0: It's just funny <laughs> that they don't even ridiculous. provide like aid at all. Like, I'm not yeah. expecting them to kill the dragon necessarily, but they could at least help evacuate. It,
1: the way the soundtrack of the show goes too is during this moment, triumphant music <laughs> is playing. Where it's like, well, they're like, okay, you know what? No, we have to fight. We have to take yeah. the fight to Ashram. We're gonna go. Let's go. As, like, this innocent village burns in the background. Yeah, as our heroes like, leave a village to be destroyed. The, the the soundtrack in this show is weirdly tone deaf at times like that. Absolutely.
0: And also very, <laughs> like, I don't know, generic. I don't know. There's a lot of things about this show that are kind so, of generic.
1: So, uh, Parn and Ashram's group eventually go over to red dragon mountain and they confront each other just outside of shooting stars layer. And this is my nadir episode seven, death, a gentle heart bequeathed <laughs> some cool fighting and powers are on display in this episode where all these characters clash basically against their mirror matches, like yeah, right. against the goons that yeah, Yeah. That mirror them pretty well. Because
0: at the end of the day, all of the characters in the show are like your standard issue pre-rolled D&D characters. Like, yep. everybody is a wizard or a knight or a thief or a priest or whatever. Like, they're, yeah. they're all very they all have classic D&D characters. So, Ashram's people are basically just bad versions of the main characters, which is pretty common, really, but... Sure. in this case they're just evil wizard evil sorcerer evil priest etc
1: the one like decent thing I liked in this episode is like there's one fight with Lelia the priestess uh, who uh, fights against like this generic dark priest dude who I don't remember his name it doesn't matter they fight and um, you know she like blasts him and then like prays for him kind of and he's like prays for her death at the same time and then he dies I thought that was kind of cool but more importantly, some really stupid shit occurs in this yeah, one. My um,
0: favorite aspect of this episode, I think, is that uh-huh. uh, Deedleet and an evil dark elf sorcerer both summon these <laughs> giant magical, like, avatars. And it sets up something yeah. you're like, it's going to be sweet to watch these giant yeah. avatars fight each other. What happens, Yeah, Peter?
1: animation looks awesome. And, yeah, and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> it absolutely doesn't happen. Orson, instead... Um, in this episode, Orson was, cu- Orson was actually recently cured uh, yeah, by a priest right,
0: when he was at blue dragon. Island. Yeah.
1: So his personality comes back and he's not like, you know, just a shy guy anymore. Now he's like, he has a personality and that personality happens to be really irritating <laughs> and whiny. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like his voice even changes to be whinier and like stupid. Yeah. And
0: he's just like, like, I see what they were going for because he like has been possessed by this spirit of rage and basically without emotions since he was like in a preteen i think so yeah. like now as an adult he has to deal with these emotions again but he's bad at it because he's never really had to manage good. them before and, he's kind
1: of reverted to preteen mentally, right? In a yeah, way.
0: and or just or as far, as, yeah, behaviorally, as far as emotional control. So like yeah. he professes his love for Shiras, and he's totally scared that he's here, but he's like, "I love Shiras, so I have to be here," even though Shiras does not like him and makes that very clear. <laughs> uh It's outwardly. It's a very yeah. awkward scene because Shiras is into Parn because he's so cool, you know. <laughs>
1: Classic, yeah, every woman loves this absolutely generic, boring <laughs> yes, asshole. White
0: bread, fucking dick face. <laughs> like, he's just fucking boring as so, hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Orson uh, Orson, no longer has the spirit of rage.
1: But then, combat happens, and Shears is in trouble, because Spetty's just too strong. And these, like, skeleton warriors are attacking at the same time. And so he eventually he's like oh no i've got to help her uh, and he summons his rage again and goes full berserk and like <laughs> one thing i do like about this is he starts he starts like killing some of the other villains just like offhand so <laughs> he just fucking murders the guy who summoned the spirit like getting right. ready to fight delude <laughs> so that fight and, doesn't well, which happen <laughs> That fight doesn't happen, so big disappointment, but it is pretty funny that he just ganks the dude. Yeah, yeah, it is <laughs> and that then...
0: is that is cool.
1: <laughs> and then he just stabs Smeddy like into a rock, and then he gets stabbed a bunch. She's like stops him and like tries to stop him from just going insane with rage and he almost kills her and she's like, Yeah, kill me. This is my fault, you're like this Blah. And then he just instead dies. Yeah, he just, just kind of just, like, drops over. his sword. He drops his sword and he, he just crouches and closes his eyes in a standing crouch. He's on his knees. The episode ends, I, I, but he is up. Yeah. he's like like his back. Right his still. back is too straight to be dead. There's, yeah, yeah. He closes his eyes. The episode ends, and the next episode what? starts. And, and both of us were like, "Oh, well, okay." So he like passed out, but he's on. okay.
0: The episode doesn't end. It just cuts to the battle inside the cave, basically. Because there's a decent chunk of time where we were like, Orson can't be dead. That makes no sense. Yeah. He's he's a berserker. Sure, he got stabbed, but he's a berserker. That's what berserkers do. They take a bunch
1: of damage to their tanks. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> he's nope. dead. He's, and, plus, and his death, again, is crouching over and closing his eyes. <laughs> like you're a kid <laughs> pretending to be dead in like hide-and-seek or some yeah, shit. <laughs> he, he got tagged. <laughs> it's just like what what <laughs> and so yeah. that he's just dead in fairness and, and we we had both we were so outraged by this turn of events we had kind of forgotten that yeah he did get like stabbed through the heart with a giant sword while yeah, he was going berserk like,
0: again these berserker like, <laughs> berserkers are tanks they can take damage and yeah. not get killed you expect him to survive right. and then he just
1: doesn't And and so, and so we find that the arc of this character is,
0: he's cured from
1: his, he's cured from his mental illness. He, uh, everyone hates him when he's cured. Even Parn makes a point
0: to say, I preferred Orson before. Like everyone does not like Orson no longer controlled by rage. Everyone's like, I preferred Orson when he was a angry, barely controlled monster.
1: Yeah. He gets his rage back, almost kills Sheerus, and then just dies. And then <laughs> Shearus, our... while and walking Shir- away
0: from his grave, thinks to herself, It's better this
1: way, Orson,
0: which is bullshit. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> which is like <laughs> that's the meanest thing i've ever seen like what a fucking dismissal of a character yeah. like because she was like she like recognizes love like after he died and then it's like yeah but it's better this way i like par. i guess
0: yeah and <laughs> yeah, and also like, she apparently never shows up again which is extra yeah. funny but
1: it's <laughs> amazing yeah she just Walks away.
0: It's it's worth mentioning to like as far as Orson's arc to me, I just relate it to like someone with an addiction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which which <laughs> may be unfair, but it really does feel like Orson is an alcoholic. Then he is cured of his alcoholism, or I don't know. I guess you're not really cured of alcoholism. Uh, I I can't right, remember see, what the terminology this, I should use is. But he's in, this in recovery. fantasy world. He's in recovery. Yeah,
1: he recovers.
0: Then everyone's like, "Man, I preferred Orson when he was an alcoholic." And then he has to <laughs> become an alcoholic again to save this woman who doesn't love him, and then he dies. Like, great, he relapses <laughs> and then, she and spins then dies. On his grave, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like, it's it's a very strange arc. I'm not a fan of Orson's arc
1: at all. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So this leads directly into guess what, my zenith, which. I say loosely. Yeah. Um, episode eight: The Scepter of Domination, the Dream of United Lotos. Um, you want to know why I like this? Uh, this is the episode where basically they finally go into the volcano. Uh, Ashram's troops are dead, but Ashram's still in there, and with his like priest buddy Hob, mm-hmm. and um, Cashew is in there too, and they all kind of face off, and Cashew's like, "Hey, wait." we need to team up, you, me, Ashram, because Shooting Star is way too fucking strong. Yeah, yeah. And so they team up to to kill Shooting Star, and then they kill Shooting Star by... (laughs) basically pushing it into lava <laughs> yeah which pretty much they seeing this they they fight it and it's a cool fight for while it's happening like i think like oh this is pretty cool everyone's using moves they're like thinking of different ways to actually deal damage after their swords don't right. work and so also they make like ice swords and
0: also a team-up fight between the villain and the hero is always fun yeah, there's a fun. scene where yeah. ashram and parn both jump and like plunge their swords into shooting star's head which is pretty cool yeah
1: um, and then but. and then like yeah sh- sh- and then they pretty much ultimately push shooting star a red dragon that breathes fire into lava and it's like <laughs> no! and it just dies it, it dies and then like we're both of us were like we're first laughing like that is so stupid and then we're like of course the dragon's gonna come back though because there's like half the episode left and yeah, duh, right. there's the dragon's so much come time. back it'll look cool it'll burst out of the lava nope nope the dragon's, that dragon's dead. Dead. gone dragon <laughs> that dead dragon's gone. from lava that, that dragon lives next to lava all the time <laughs> It touches it fucking instant death
0: yeah and also like it's a dragon that can fly and i don't know it's inside a it's cave huge. so maybe it can't just easily like lift off but it does feel a little bit like lex luthor just pushed <laughs> superman off a building and superman yep. died from falling <laughs> yeah, like yeah it's superman, super it's, it's super falling stupid to his death. <laughs> it, yeah, and so and so we have a sword fight now between Ashram and King Kashu, and there's some reveal yeah. that Kashu fought dishonorably against Emperor Beld back in the last arc that we didn't see because this fucking version of the show starts after that arc is over.
1: Yeah, and um, so now they want to have an honorable duel, and Kashu is going for it, even though it looks like Kashu is going to lose. Yeah,
0: and then Ashram cheats because he wants to get the scepter, but the scepter gets thrown into the lava. And Ashram's like, yeah. well, then I just disgraced my honor for nothing. So he jumps into the lava and kills himself. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Great. end of this arc.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and like I thought for a moment too, it's like, I guess maybe the scepter is also like alluring him somehow, but it really seems like he just kind of kills himself in the lava. It's really stupid. The arc ends. That's it. Yeah. The, what I liked about this episode, the sword fight animation was quite good
0: (laughs) yeah especially for this show because frequently the combat
1: is just kind of not there this show the combat animation this show like half the time perhaps more is sailor moon level combat animation which is to say it cuts to a painting of a character running from a villain and then like an explosion happening and then getting out of the way like yeah. with voice over it instead of, like, any animation. Yeah, it's just someone, like, whoa, someone, psh, oh. Right,
0: someone does <laughs> yeah. a move cut to someone reacting to the move, but it's a still yeah. image. It's not really animated. So, yeah. yes, that that's the end of the first arc. So beginning the second arc, it takes place ten years later. We have a teenager named <laughs> Spark, and Spark was introduced in the first arc as a little kid, but now he's grown up, yeah. and he wants to be a knight in Kashu's army. Uh, but he he's not getting there because he has some royal blood or something. So he's like, oh, I want to be a knight on my own merits, not just like a ruler, basically.
1: Yeah. Um, but he he's he doesn't a, become a knight. And he's you know our blue haired hero.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. Pretty he's, generic
1: anime guy. Uh, uh, just like kind of just like Parn.
0: <laughs> yeah, again, he does feel like a like JRPG character, like yeah. uh, less it, notable he, JRPG.
1: He, character. he has more. I would say he has more personality than Parn does. He's at least, like, a bit more goofy and stuff, but, you know. Uh, He
0: witnesses some dark elves who are agents of the Kingdom of Marmo stealing the Soul Crystal Ball from Kashu's treasure hold, and he fails to stop them. So Kashu sends him on a quest to retrieve the crystal ball with some mercenaries. Meanwhile, Parn and Kashu are fighting a war on several fronts against, like, a duke who's in league with the marmo and like marmo forces themselves basically there's another war and spark is going on this quest in the midst of the war to try to recover these magical items that have been stolen or this magical item that has been stolen So uh, they they have some adventures. Basically, this is very like episodic D&D content where they just kind of go to a town and there's a problem and they solve that problem and then they go to the next town, which, you know, isn't a bad structure for a show. There are plenty of shows like that, but that's kind of how this goes. It's a little less in depth than the first arc and it's a little more self-contained spark's party is made up of a sort of immature elf named leaf a nobleman posing as a mercenary named garrick who calls himself blue meteor and he he's like i everyone calls me blue meteor because of this and he points this scar on his face it's like why does that scar give you the name blue meteor it doesn't look like a meteor it's not blue like was it caused by a meteor (laughs) Like It's it's
1: such a nonsense thing to say. (laughs) And no
0: one ever calls him Blue Meteor again. So, you know, who cares? Uh, Anyway, there's a dwarf cleric named Grievous. And then there's a man named (laughs) Aldenova, who is a mage who is very protective of a little girl named Nice, who we'll get to in a moment. Uh, She's not a little girl, actually. She's like a teenager in this show now because it's 10 years later. But anyway uh he he looks like an old version of brock from pokemon like he he just he he has the same does. perpetually closed eyes and like a similar facial structure so i'd like to think that he's just brock's dad or like brock yeah. was role-playing <laughs> with ash and everybody else i don't know maybe ash is ashram uh and i suppose oh, in God. this case misty is sheerus i don't know whatever no. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a thing now. I'm just gonna cast no. shows with different <laughs> characters from other properties, and we're just gonna make ourselves a Fortnite here.
1: Fairness, we've done that with uh we've attempted to do that with Scooby Doo in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: right. And we did it with Sonic without Lost Star. Like, you know, it's a thing. <laughs>
1: it's a, <laughs> I forgot about that. It's a,
0: it's a consistent joke. I'm I'm not it's not weird at all. Come on, don't question it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh Nice is this Girl who has been following the party because she suspects that she has something to do with the magical artifact that they're collecting, and also they run across a thief named Rhina at some point who joins the group. Niece is the daughter of Lelia and Slain, and you may remember that I said we'll get back to Lelia. Well, we're getting back to Lelia, because Lelia is a reincarnation of the priestess Nenil, who is a priestess of the evil god Cardus, and who is also, like, Cardus's avatar on Earth, I guess, or whatever this place is actually called.
1: Yeah, so I assume, we assume, (laughs) we're not sure, but we do assume that, I guess, Cardus, like, I don't know, possessed her or something. Yeah,
0: right, right. Possessed
1: this priestess that worshipped her. Right,
0: so because Lelia had a daughter, the reincarnation was passed on to her daughter who is niece so niece is a reincarnation of the thing that her mom was a reincarnation of which again is <laughs> another degree separated from the actual evil god or yeah. evil goddess excuse me so there are two magic keys they refer to these being the soul crystal ball which was what was stolen and the staff of life which we so far know nothing about uh and with these keys she can be used to resurrect cardis and so yeah you know she she joins the party and basically all of this is revealed and they're like all right well We failed to get the Soul Crystal Ball from the thieves, so we have to go and get the Staff of Life to prevent this from happening. Also, she is, at some point, attacked in a dream magically by Wagnard, who's the main villain. Um, That's kind of a neat scene. It's very much just The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, ripped straight from The Exorcist. So, Episode 14, Doorway, The Truth Proclaimed is My Nadir. And the reason for this is that this is the episode where everyone finds out the magic secret of Little Niece. And she's called Little Niece because, to add more confusion, there was a character named Niece, who is Lelia's mother, who tells all of this to Slain at length in episode 10. And then we are told again by Aldenova in episode 14. And that is why yep. episode 14 is my least favorite episode, because they explain a concept that we have already had explained at length, again, almost verbatim, like yeah. a, a lot of the information they give us is almost phrased exactly the same way it was the first time, and it 's just incredibly boring to watch other characters find out information that the audience already knows and not in a dramatic way it's just like they're just <laughs> sitting in a fucking room, and all the Nova is explaining this to them, and it takes like five minutes, and then the rest of the episode's just nothing because we've already spent all our time explaining something so now we need to leave i guess and that's all we can that's all we have time for anymore it's terrible and (laughs) a preview of my problem with the show overall so that's the synopsis that was a long synopsis let's get to the break when we get back we'll talk about our thoughts on the show we'll talk about a bit uh, what we're going to watch next week all the stuff we usually do
1: is beautiful compared to (laughs) Smeddy.
0: Smeddy has a beautiful body. She's very strong. That's what I think. Record of Lodoss War will return in a moment. Hey there, everyone. This is Michael, jumping in during the break to do what I always do, give you some acknowledgements. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving. The music for the bumpers is Monkeys. Both of these tracks are by Onatek, that is A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Rights were secured through Gemendo. Our next full episode will release December 30th, and tune in next week for a discussion of the Record of Lodos War OVAs. As always, you can submit a topic or show suggestion for our minisodes via DM on facebook.com slash hppod, twitter at hppod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. Orson, you're crying!
1: Can it be that you've learned how to feel again?
0: And now, back to Record of Lodoss War. All right, we're back. Peter, what do you think about Record of Lodos War Chronicles of the Heroic Knight uh, part uh, 1, I guess.
1: Uh, <laughs> this I haven't watched a show this painful in a long time. This is one this this has shaken my faith in the podcast. Yeah, and and, we, and, and, I, it doesn't help. I'm going through shit as it is right now, yeah, you know, right. like You've it, been kind I'm, I'm having a bit of a a rough spell. I'm kind of sick. I'm just kind of, you know, the shit in life going on. But like, <laughs> this show is so horrible. Well, and something we haven't it-
0: really talked about yet is that the dub is, frankly, yes. I think the worst dub we've watched. We've said this in previous yes. episodes when we've like said, "Oh, us were coming up," but really, the dub is just <sighs> one of the worst I've ever
1: heard. Honestly, it's. So bad. It seems a little bit like it's improved by like the second arc, maybe. maybe I but, don't like, know. Like, <laughs> it also might just be we got used to it. Yeah. But this is this is the kind of dub that that made me a fucking died in the wool subs over dubs kid when yeah, I was sure. like fourteen, getting into like fan sub anime and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, absolutely not. I'm not gonna watch a dub because because dubs could be sound this. like this. Yeah. Yeah. It totally. sounds like, yeah. It sounds like people. Half-assing it, they sound like they're just like most of the characters. Parn, especially, fuck, sounds like he is just a guy being like, "What if I just did a nightly voice like this?" Yeah, pretty much. Wouldn't that be fun? But also sounded much Uh, more boring. (laughs) uh, Somehow, uh, it's voice acted in such a way that it sounds. For one thing, it sounds like the voice actors don't give a shit. And and I'm not. Tr- I don't mean to talk shit on these voice actors. It's a different time. Yeah, but and it's I also think they did a horrible job. It's, it's also
0: <laughs> worth like pointing out that the dub process for the show was fairly yeah. nightmarish. It sounds like. I mean, I, yeah, we're not going to yeah. go into it because we've already talked about the origins of the show a lot. I think I'll talk about it briefly in the next episode. But to suffice to say, like. There is a reason the dub sounds like this, and it is not yeah. entirely being laid at the feet of the voice actors. It really yeah, isn't. I, I, there I, are some serious production problems.
1: So. Right. Or the, or the writers, the translators as well. Yeah, right. But um, it
0: does sound very—like, it's just an awkward dub, too. Like, a lot of the times oh, yeah. the voices are kind of bad, but the thing that's weird about it is that just, it's just—it's like every conversation is— a conversation between two preteens on a first date, like it has that feeling <laughs> of just general awkwardness and uncertainty, and it's yeah, really is,
1: weird because it's just. Which I, I've compared to at some points, it has it's like Shenmue level dialogue, one hundred percent. Yeah, which is like, yeah, it's like it's like two people who really don't know how to communicate with other human beings, just talking at each other, <laughs> yeah, right, in a very bland voice, like, yeah, and.
0: And ask him to play Lucky Hit, etc.
1: Yeah, yeah. But other times, it also sounds like the character... It sounds like the voice actors are, like, making fun of the role. Like, it seems... It's like I'm watching a fan dub of, like, a parody. (laughs) Sure. Except, though, most of those I've seen are very well voice acted. So, um... But it, 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 yeah, it seems like, it just seems like someone's doing like a, haha, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is beneath me. You know, it's, it's like, it just makes it feel more embarrassing to me, <laughs> which is like something I don't, I, I want to take the medium seriously, you know, and, and so that's why I was kid. you know, I'm just like, oh, I, I got to watch subtitles. I got to watch what, the, what what was they right. originally saying? The original voices of the actors and stuff.
0: And, and it probably <sighs> doesn't help that, like, <laughs> me the, the whole world of this show, like, I, I will say, because frankly, I'm going to talk shit on this show for quite a bit in a minute sure, here. Yeah. But, like,
1: I will say— Because it's not just the acting.
0: Yeah, I will say that, like, kudos to the guy who came up with this fantasy world. Like, clearly a lot of thought was put into it. The problem is mm-hmm. that because of that, it's extremely dense and, like— it's clear that the people who made this really care about the world and about communicating it correctly. But also, like a lot of the stuff in the world, I mean, you can probably already tell just based on the synopsis, but a lot of the stuff in the world is just kind of generic. Like, the yeah, both plots here involve characters going after magical treasures that are from an old kingdom that's been lost, basically which is and, and, not uncommon for high fantasy. It's extremely common, but that's kind of the point. Like it's, it's almost cliche. And I feel like that doesn't help but, the whole presentation it, 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 of the show because like, it's so cheesy.
1: Yeah. And I would say it yeah, exactly. And it absolutely is cliche. This is the kind of plot I've seen a fucking minute. I play a lot of JRPGs. I have played a lot in, not in the nineties and the two thousands. And it's like, I've seen this shit over and over and over and over again and it is like the most like so like the world where the it's the same way too it's like the world building of this jrpg world is really cool but the plot is like it's doing a lot of the same shit it's like oh my village was burned down i must get revenge mm-hmm. oh yeah you know
0: and then this there's a magical then, thing that the villain is after that will unseal the evil god and we need to stop yeah, we them need to, from getting that
1: like that's we need to collect the magic crystals before the evil villain gets yeah them. we need to get
0: the chaos <laughs> emeralds or dr eggman's gonna yeah. plug him into his giant space satellite and blow up the planet yeah exactly
1: it's, it's exactly like sonic exactly
0: like sonic <laughs> adventure 2 there's even a scene where one of the characters has to chase the president of the united states in a car
1: <laughs> nope nope i think <laughs> you're just thinking of sonic adventure 2 again
0: mm, okay. i i beg to differ we'll have to check the tapes again <laughs> uh yeah like i i agree i i have not played a lot of rpgs but or rather JRPGs or really RPGs in general. It's not really my genre, Either, really. but it's, it is, it does feel like a JRPG, like of the ones that I've played, it feels like a very familiar thing. And it's not, it's not even doing like the cool stuff. The JRPGs often do to make the world feel more unique and interesting. And again, yeah. I think this is a result of it being just in very early example of Japanese high fantasy. Like, of course, it's going to be kind of generic. It's maybe a little bit like complaining that uh, Night of the Living Dead is very generic as a zombie movie. It's like, yeah, because it was kind of the first one of this type. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but still, it hasn't aged well. It just feels very normal, and like the setting is exactly what you'd expect. There's nothing unique or interesting about it. There's no like tech or anything like that. It's just high fantasy with elves and humans living in a semi-medieval kingdom like that's what it and, is And you know
1: I, I i respect it for that too because i haven't seen a lot of just strictly high fantasy stuff in anime uh, you know yeah in, i suppose in that's true anime. they usually bring like,
0: some more weird stuff into it
1: yeah yeah and, and i really like that about the world but It's just they get so bogged down with details that it's dry. And then like the plots are generic, like the characters are generic. And it's so it's like this is so I'm just bored.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And and also I want to like this show. We're watching a terrible dub. Like we're watching a terrible version of it because that's what we do on this podcast, I guess. And it's, you know, it it makes everything worse. And I don't think it started out being particularly incredible, basically.
1: Yeah, right yeah at this point cuz at first I was watching this and I was like oh this would be okay with a, with like watching with subs or with a better dub and I was like, no, like, that Orson plotline, that wasn't changed. That, that shit's really stupid. <laughs> yeah, right. That dragon fell into lava also. <laughs> like, you can't... They didn't dub that. Oh, <laughs> that's, wow. That's the show. So
0: Okay, so something that we kind of also forgot to mention, despite that it's one of the funniest and weirdest details about this this dub specifically... I assume it's only in the dub. I don't know. Maybe the subtitle has it. I'll check. We'll report back next time. But like <laughs> they they add lower thirds as though you're watching a news broadcast. So like every time a new character right. shows up, they'll have a little name card on the screen for them, which is yeah. so bizarre. I've never seen it anywhere else literally i've never seen this unless it was like being done because the show is in a documentary style i've never seen a show just be like fuck it just throw out title cards otherwise no one's gonna understand who the fuck these people are and even with the title cards it's hard to tell because they show up for like an instant and then never again
1: and also like they all they always say the character's name like they don't really need to have the title cards yeah often Maybe... the
0: title card will happen after a character has pretty much directly introduced themselves to the camera <laughs> yeah. like spark yeah pretty much yeah. introduces himself to the camera and then it shows his title card and it's like guys
1: we know. <laughs> it's like, like, are you just trying to show us the dumb way you spelt this name? Because <laughs> I see that.
0: <laughs> like, I don't know if I mentioned that flame, the kingdom that you did. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, okay.
1: F-L-A-I-M. Yeah, right. It's that. completely
0: goofy. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll just talk about my big problem with the show. Yeah. Which is that it explains everything way too much. And also, it's, well, really, I think that a a big part of this is just the fact that it's this strange amalgamation of two different storylines. Like, I think if they just started the show with Spark, it would be a lot easier to watch. Because the Spark arc is more self-contained. Like, it doesn't have all this shit about Emperor Beld yet. I don't know, maybe
1: it will. But it doesn't start in the middle of a much larger plot. Right. That's for sure. And
0: and the thing that's weird is like, like I have a few examples. The the kingdom that the governor's treasures came from, they explain the backstory of that kingdom in depth. It's the kingdom of Kestoul, and yeah. there's this woman named Carla who like I don't know, put her soul into the circlet and then possessed a bunch of people, including Lelia at some point. And they explain all of this stuff. They explain who Carla was and that she did all this stuff and then like how the kingdom fell. And Carla doesn't show up in that arc. You didn't need to explain who Carla was. She's not relevant to this. All we really need to know is that there are treasures guarded by dragons from an ancient kingdom. You don't need yeah. to explain what the ancient kingdom was the circumstances of its downfall or who its head of state was like yeah <laughs> it's like if in star wars a new hope when obi-wan or like the clone wars are mentioned he starts talking about count dooku like we don't care <laughs> he's not relevant yeah. for this story arc it's just unimportant information.
1: It's cooler that he just mentions something like that offhand well, and then exactly. it's just like oh, like you figure it out. Like
0: what it comes down to to some extent I think is it's the difference between a show effectively having like good world building that suggests a history to this universe and a show giving you history lessons about the history yeah. of this universe. And obviously one is bad and one is good. <laughs> I guess I'll leave you to figure out which, because it's not necessarily in the order that I said the words.
1: Now, now I will say, in fairness, Carla was a significant part of the first book, right. which is covered by the first OVA. It, it, she's, like, the main villain of that, and the circlet possessed the character Lelia. Yeah, I, I think then... I mentioned
0: that. But, like...
1: Yeah, and then so she became became Carla, the witch incarnate again, or whatever. And it's a big fight. But and, and so the reason I bring this up is that I think this extra bit of backstory where it's like, oh, Carla is actually part of this Kingdom of Castool, mm-hmm. that's where the original witch was from, I think is new, at least to the OVA. So it's like, okay, I can see why they would want to bring that up, I guess. Just for, to like, uh, sort of. Because like, Carla does not come back into the story, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean... And so it's just like... <laughs> it's just like
0: well my point i
1: guess we're going to flesh out a character who isn't in this story at all well, anymore yeah, like that's <laughs> so my point is, a little is fun. it doesn't
0: make sense to me like again i don't understand yeah. why they didn't just start with the spark storyline because yes yeah. it would cut out some of the novels that were covered but it's also a more separate thing that requires less necessary explanation than the thing that they started with because the problem with the orson storyline is that A bunch of stuff that happens in it is directly connected to stuff that happened in the previous storyline. So you're basically starting the story on the third chapter, which is bad, obviously. Like, you should have just cut all of it and said, hey, start with Spark. It's self-contained enough. We can bring in the backstory stuff when it happens, but we don't feel... It, like it's important to explain who Carla is because, yeah, she's important in the first arc, but who gives a shit? We're not watching the first arc, we're watching a different arc, and it's an adaptation. Like, you don't need to adapt yeah. every single detail because if you do that, it's an incomprehensible mess.
1: <laughs> and, yep. like,
0: yeah, and, and the problem with this is that the show just stops to explain itself constantly and it just robs any narrative momentum whatsoever. Like I said, yeah, in episode 14, they literally have a cool scene where uh Nisa's like, you know, going all exorcist. And then after that, the rest of the episode is just explaining the thing that we already know, then deciding that they're going to go do something else, but they don't really do anything. They're just kind of sitting yeah, around discussing what they're gonna do next. And like every episode in Spark's arc feels like that. Like, yeah. th- there are, there are so many things that are explained yeah. over and over again. Like, I, could, I, I have three examples. Uh, The death of Orson's sister and Why is a Berserker is an entire flashback that is shown in its entirety twice to explain mm-hmm. Orson's backstory. Uh, The whole thing with the magical keys and shit that will resurrect Cardus, the whole little niece thing, that is explained in its entirety twice. And also rhina the reveal that she's a thief is explained twice
1: <laughs> which is also a very stupid plot point that they right. spent a lot of Wh- time which is acting dramatically about. yeah
0: which is a plot point that it's like okay we know this is based on a D campaign and every character is such an archetype anyway that there's not a whole lot of drama to her being a thief and whether or not the party is going to accept her knowing that she steals things because like thieves are a classic D &D class like there's a thief in every party
1: (laughs) again you gotta round out your party yeah
0: again it's a pre-rolled campaign character class like these are the ones you give to people who just started playing D &D so that they understand the interplay of the class
1: dynamics but but the characters act like it's the biggest fucking thing in the world like how could we know we can trust you when it's like she's a fucking mercenary she she kills for money like so do you also other mercenary guy <laughs> yeah, who's right. super concerned about it
0: yeah the only uh, guy who's really stupid. concerned about it is garrick because once uh uh <laughs> now i'm just thinking of garrick from deep space nine and wishing that he was the character in the show <laughs> uh what's better uh, but like when spark finds out he doesn't give a single fuck he does not care that she's a thief and that's the one that's supposed to be this big dramatic reveal and he just doesn't care and again this is the second time that this has been brought up and in that case it's back to back too there's one episode where garrick interrogates her and then the next episode spark finds out about it and it's like there's just no tension there it's just explaining something to us again
1: and you're absolutely right it is a, i think it's a unique problem of of the spark arc season we'll call it the spark season that it has no fucking momentum the other one's way too dense this one is still kind of dense and has zero fucking momentum because they have to stop and explain everything twice right it's, and,
0: and it's so aggravating What's so annoying about the explanations too is that the circumstances the explanations take place in are always boring. Yeah. Yeah. There's never anything <laughs> going on. People, it's not like they find out in the middle sitting of a, in a fight. Hotel room. Yeah. They're just in a room talking to each other, explaining plot points to each other, which yeah. is terrible. And frankly, it strikes me as the kind of thing that like, you know, is what happens when you adapt a and d campaign into a book and then a TV show. You have these conversations that I'm sure were interesting to play out in role play, assuming that they actually did. I'm not totally positive about that. Mm -hmm. But let's assume that they did, because it seems like that's the case to me anyway. Like... These are the kinds of things that I think would be quite compelling to role-play and discuss with another person who themselves is role-playing. I've played D&D. This kind of character stuff is really fun to do because you're playing a character. You're playing an active role in the story. But when you're not playing an active role in the story and you're just watching it— It's boring as fuck. It's like someone explaining their D&D campaign to you. It's like, generally speaking, that's not as interesting as it seems to the person explaining it because they were there. They did it. You know, it's the classic yeah, right. you-had-to-be-there kind of situation.
1: Half the times it's like watching a fucking virtual encyclopedia or some shit <laughs> <Of> <laughs> Yeah, this totally. random fantasy world. I don't care about that much yeah, because, Because right. so far, no cool shit happens in it. Yeah, yeah.
0: you don't care about that much because it's already boring. the show doesn't make you care about it and it doesn't present it in an interesting way. It's like you're sitting in a yeah. history class being lectured about some magic bullshit that never happened. Like... Yeah. It's just like, that's my big problem with the show. I think that's my big, the thing that makes me not like it is just that it explains itself way too much, partly because it needs to, because it doesn't start at the beginning of the story. And because it's explaining things so much, it's really hard to care about anything because there's nothing really happening. It's just characters explaining stuff to each other in boring settings, boringly.
1: (laughs) With bad voice acting. Yeah,
0: with with awful voice acting on top of it.
1: (laughs) It's a real shit sandwich.
0: Yes, it is. So... Uh, I so, I think we should move on to the bet unless you have anything yeah. else to say about
1: uh, no that's that's fucking Lodos, your feelings huh? about like,
0: Lodos. yeah that is Lodos. it's so
1: it's upsetting too because I I really I thought it, when i watched the OVA I thought again like I mentioned it's it's like a little dry at times but I still quite enjoyed it I thought it was really cool and then this and this and this and this like oh so much wrong with this shit yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so let's talk about our bet. Right. right.
0: So, you may have noticed from my diatribe for the last like five minutes, the show explains stuff a lot, and it often does so yeah. through flashbacks. So, we're just gonna make oh, a yeah. bet on how many flashbacks happen in the second half of the show. Um, Peter, yeah. what do you think? How many? How many flashbacks do you think are gonna happen? Because it could be a lot. Eight. Okay, you're going with eight.
1: There are gonna be eight flashbacks. All
0: right, I am gonna go with six which is going six. to right. wound me because there are about 13 episodes left i believe and yeah. uh that would be only a flashback every two episodes which this show e- eclipses that in terms of you uh, can how many your flashbacks answer? no no i'm gonna keep it <laughs> okay. i uh okay. i i think it will be much more funny to me if there are more than six <laughs> flashbacks in these 13 <laughs> I episodes I- Around the climax of the whole story arc, but I would not be surprised.
1: I honestly consider doing ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. That's it's, how It's many... in the
0: double digit range. Uh, like, yeah,
1: that's how I remember. <laughs> that's how I remember the last one. Oh, like, this is just going to be. They frequently did like flashbacks to what happened last episode. Yeah.
0: To, and to be fair, I think it's also worth mentioning that like explaining this kind of stuff over and over again, like I, I do think it's done poorly, but we should at least acknowledge that this was produced in a time before you were expected to just sit down and watch the whole show in one sitting yeah, sure. so like yeah. it makes sense to call back to information that viewers might have missed because they missed an episode i right. feel like this is not doing that though like, it's not nice little, like, oh, this is who this character is if you missed the episode where they were introduced. It's, like, this is what this definitive concept that is kind of the whole point of this arc is.
1: That we've spelled out entirely already.
0: Yeah. and we're going to spell it out entirely again. Also, yeah. one last note before we move on to the, I guess, uh, finale of this episode. I just want to say this is a show that strikes me as fertile ground for a fan wiki that is very detailed because it is extremely dense and there's like information about everything. And, and personally I love fan wikis because especially when researching these episodes to make sure that I'm like getting the information and names and relationships, right. I can just pop onto the wiki and be like, Oh, I missed that little detail uh, when I was watching the show. But you know, someone cataloged it because someone really likes this show.
1: Or like, oh, that's how you spell that name.
0: Exactly. Cool. That's how you spell flame. <laughs> it's not yeah. the way that you think it's spelled. It's spelled in a dumber way. So there are two fan wikis for Lodos that I've seen. Uh One of them is amazingly bad. Like, it is, I think, the worst <laughs> fan wiki I've ever seen I think the Dino Saucers fan wiki blows it out of the water. Like,
1: <laughs> Which is like the search hard. function
0: is yeah. The the search function is broken. Like the yeah. pages are not written in a consistent style or format. They don't link to each other very frequently. So like if you find Parn, you're not necessarily going to be able to find a link that goes to Slain, for example, <laughs> one of the characters associated with Parn. Uh the other wiki is much more detailed, it seems, but unreadable, because most of the text is, like, very dark gray on black background. So congratulations, <laughs> guys. Like, what happened?
1: And across both of these, uh, several inconsistencies in the spelling of characters' names, yeah, which is right. really frustrating.
0: So basically what I'm saying is lotus War is frustrating because it seems like even the people who care enough about it to make a wiki can't figure it out.
1: <laughs> man and that's unfortunate it's it's pretty bad we we hated this show so much we went after the fucking fan wiki
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not not going after the wiki i'm just saying it's funny to me that like for a show that seems like it's built for a fan wiki like this it's weird that the fan wiki is so devoid of detail uh, yeah. Because, like, Gundam, for example, you better believe that fan wiki is packed full of information. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, of course, you know, Gundam is still producing stuff. I guess Lodos is, too, but obviously it's
1: not as big as Gundam. I, I-, I yeah. digress.
0: This has all been a digression.
1: Let's wrap things up, then, and talk about what we're going to watch next week.
0: Yes. Uh, Next week, we're going to watch the first eight episodes of the OVA record of Lodos War, which maybe we should have watched before this. Because yeah. it would have given us some nice context. But hey, uh, if we're covering the animated series, we should probably cover the OVA
1: too. And this this will basically cover all the shit we missed that sort from, of that leads it. up to where the. Uh, it, it well, actually, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Um, well, from
0: what I from what I remember reading, and I could be wrong on this, but from what I remember reading, the OVA is the first volume, which is to say the first novel, and yeah. then it kind of fills in up to like where the story was at that point and then kind of comes up with a conclusion
1: um right but whereas but going this covers episodes... the
0: third novel so i feel like the second novel is not really adapted yeah uh, but I i could be wrong
1: and it, but knowing knowing where the plot goes with these i'm pretty sure it, it pretty much just leads right up to where they meet Sirius and Olsen yeah, which right. is where we start Orson. Uh, Chronicles of the Heroic Knight um and that's like where the uh, canon diverges as well right uh, so right. you know it should cover things up nicely and maybe help us understand this insane world um
0: yeah hopefully and
1: hopefully hopefully it'll be a better example of it
0: yeah probably um,
1: so of course The week after that, we'll be finishing our coverage of Record of Lodos War. Correct. Thank God. Right. So
0: be sure to revisit us next week for Record of Lodos War, the OVAs. But until then, I'm Michael Doak. And I'm Peter Eby. And thanks for listening. Hey, it's Michael again. I just wanted to say thanks for listening again. I hope you're staying as safe and comfortable as can be right now. This podcast is in support of Black Lives Matter. And if you check the relevant post on our website, that being the post titled Black Lives Matter, there are links to charities and lists of charities that you should consider donating to if you have the means. Of course, food banks are also a really great place to donate money right now, given that we're all kind of going through a horrible health crisis and people need food so consider that also anyway if you want more of our content which feels like a pretty minor thing to be plugging but i'm going to plug it anyway sorry uh you can follow us at our social media that's facebook.com slash hbpod and twitter at hbpod where we post all of our episodes as well as additional content related to what we've been watching this is also a great way to get in contact with us if you're so inclined of course, subscribing on Apple Podcasts is also a surefire way to stay up to date, as is basically any podcasting app that you happen to listen to. And while you're there, consider leaving us a review. They really help us find new listeners. But again, prioritize donating to people in need uh, before you plug our podcast, because one of those things is notably more important than the other. That's it for now. See you next week for the Record of Lodos War OVAs.